Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Hello, friends. Jack, Flight School O'Brien here, uh, also known as Jack. Still can touch Ned if I get a running start and haven't eaten heavy breakfast to O'Brien. Uh, both nicknames that I go by. Inviting you to check out Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties for a weekly basketball conversation with me and my co-host from the Daily Zeitgeist, Miles Gray. We are joined by comedians, writers, podcasters, and fellow NBA fans as we discuss the latest news and events from around the league. Check it out. Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Compatibility. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. A Wednesday show for you, a busy show, busy time of the year. Uh, JVT is going to be coming up later on to talk about the Thursday games for the NCAA tournament. And then I'll be on tomorrow morning. We'll record tomorrow morning for the Friday games. So uh, just a little update there in terms of the schedule. Trying to keep the content as fresh as, as possible. Because if I record Thursday night, Friday morning, by the time you listen to it, you know, most people are listening for you know college basketball. That's the thing this time of year. So by the time you listen to it, most of those games have already been played. So if we get it out tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, set you up for the Friday games. We'll set you up for the Thursday games today. Uh, that's just the schedule going forward. But like I said, a lot to do. Got basically news in every sport. Some of these days you come on here and you're you know looking for things to talk about. Uh, not today. There is plenty going on. Yankee news. Giants sign a, a backup quarterback. Uh, Kyrie Irving scored 60 points last night on 31 shots. Just incredible. Uh, I guess we'll just start here with the local lines. Knicks are in action hosting the Blazers. Knicks minus 12.5 at Bet River Sportsbook. Total 222. And the Nets are second night of a back to back. Mavs minus three in Brooklyn. Uh, obviously, a Brooklyn game means no Kyrie, uh, which is another thing because the vaccine is now. Uh, the vaccine mandate, I should say, is now an issue in baseball because unvaccinated players are not going to be able to play in New York unless something changes. So sounds like Judge uh, may or may not be vaccinated. J- judging by his answer, he's probably not. So that's a- another thing to keep an eye on. But both NBA teams in action tonight. Knicks minus 12.5. Nets are getting three. 
Uh, don't have a lot on either of these games. I would lean towards the Nets. The Nets have been playing great. I, I just saw first time ever in consecutive games two teammates with 50 points, 50 plus points each. And Durant had 53 on Sunday. And then Kyrie, like I said, 60 points last night on 31 shots. Just incredible. And he, he can be a pain sometimes. Forget the vaccine stuff. Just everything, you know, disappearing. And just a, a strange guy. But he is... Uh, a hell of a talent, probably a little better than I give him credit for. Just an incredible performance last night as the Nets uh, win again, 36-33. and 33. If they continue to play this well, maybe they do find themselves out of the playing game. It's not impossible. It's still not likely here. As you look at the standings, they are three games over. Um, they're chasing the Cavs. They're chasing the Raptors. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough to get out of this play-in here. Uh, with only, what, 13 games to go, you're still... Three in the lost column behind the Raptors. Four in the lost column behind the Cavaliers. Uh, the favorites to come out of the East at Bet River Sportsbook, plus 285 and plus 500 to win the title. Again, with the playing around, those are not prices I'm interested in. And, you know, it's funny, an eight seed right now, but they're the favorite, uh, you know, basically to come out of the East and one of the pretty much co-favorites to win the whole thing. And you can see why when Durant is going and... Kyrie's going. That's uh, it's a hell of a team, and who knows what Simmons gives you. Uh, the question I would have: Can you win it with half a Kyrie? I, I, obviously, you can win it if Kyrie is is a full go and he's able to play at home games, which I think he will by the time the playoffs come around. I think the question is: Could you win the whole thing with Durant being this good, just getting Kyrie with half the games? You might be able to. I mean, that's how good Kyrie is. So, I mean, that's how good Durant is. That even half a Kyrie. Some of these shooters now they're not great defensively. Uh, although Drummond's given him something, you know, defensively and, and rebounding wise, um, you know, it, it's it, it Durant's really that good. Where maybe they could win the whole thing uh, without the full boat from Kyrie. So keep an eye on that. Nets in action tonight. I would lean towards them getting the three against the Mavericks. Uh, Knicks Blazers. Boy, I don't I don't know that the Knicks should be laying twelve and a half to anybody. The Blazers have been awful. So that's not one I have a lot of interest in. That's You, you see some crazy lines this time of the year because uh, we'll, we'll talk about it with JVT, but some of these teams that are bad, not only are they bad, they just have no interest in winning from a front office standpoint. They're trying to get as many lottery balls as pos possible, uh, which you can understand. So be careful. Sometimes a line looks too good to be true. It, it is for a reason. You know, this team's laying 12 and a half or this team's laying 13. Uh, be careful. Uh, you know, the Blazers last week, I think we're getting 20 at Utah and Utah you know, it's up by 55 points at one time, at one point in the game. So be careful late in the year. You get some strange results this time of year. Teams tanking, uh, that kind of thing. So just be careful with that. College basketball, the tournament starts in earnest tomorrow, Thursday at noon. These playing games are just that. They're playing games, but we did get a couple of them last night as Indiana beats Wyoming, Texas Southern beats Texas Corpus Christi. Uh, two more tonight, Bryant and Wright State. Bryant plus three at Bet River Sportsbook. Uh, I would actually lean Bryant here. This is uh, this is actually a pretty good offensive team. Peter Kiss is the leading scorer in the country, 25-plus a game. Charles Pride scores 18-plus a game. This Bryant team plays with a lot of swagger. Uh, pretty good matchup for a 16 seed. So uh, that's the first playing game tonight. And then the second one uh, is Rutgers and Notre Dame. So another local interest there with Rutgers. Actually, an old Big East matchup, which is funny because neither team is in the Big East anymore, but this used to be a, a Big East matchup. Rutgers plus one at Bet River Sportsbook, total 132. I lean Rutgers in this game. I'll actually probably make a small bet on Rutgers. You know, Notre Dame is the better offensive team. They run a lot of pick and roll. They shoot the ball pretty well. 
Uh, Rutgers is not great on offense, but Rutgers is, is tough. They're physical. They're good on defense, and they're really disruptive. They're, you know, they're a little like the Raptors. Where they just got a bunch of guys who are switchable, a bunch of wings, you know, a bunch of six 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 eight guys where they can just disrupt you know, that pick and roll stuff and make uh, your offense, you know, disjointed, uncomfortable. So. Uh, Rutgers tonight, I would lean that way. I'll bet it. I'll probably bet it small, but I will bet, bet Rutgers uh, in this one. Winner gets Alabama Friday afternoon. So that's the college basketball. Again, tournament starts tomorrow. We'll have JVT on here in a little bit to go through every Thursday game. Just, you know, a bet, a lean, just kind of give some thoughts on every game so we get you prepped properly for the NCAA tournament, which I'm excited is back. I, I'm really excited. Two years ago, obviously, we didn't have it. It was right when the pandemic hit, right when everything shut down, it was really depressing to sit there and know that, boy, we're supposed to have the tournament. That Remember that Thursday, that Friday, boy, we were supposed to be having a full day of games right now, and the world just kind of shut down. And last year, we had it back, but there were no fans. And if you remember, a bunch of cancellations, a bunch of, bunch of teams had to forfeit no-shows because they got COVID tests. You know, remember Duke and some of these other teams had to bow out of the ACC tournament, and uh, there was a lot of COVID issues, which really – not soil the tournament. It was, we still had the games, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't really, you know, the tournament as we know it. But we get it back this year, starting last night. Started, you know, really starts in earnest tomorrow. But these games are a nice little appetizer to, to get us started here. So I like Rutgers tonight. I like Bryant tonight. I actually bet Bryant plus the three here at Bet Rivers. So uh, I, I do like Bryant. That's actually a pretty good game, like I mentioned. Wright State's not bad. But Bryant, I think, just has a little more uh, offense. So... Those are those are tonight. Uh, that's the college basketball again. We'll go through uh, we'll go through all that, and I'll give you. I guess I'll give you my bracket uh, at the end of the show. I'm not going to go through everything, but just my final four, my champion, a couple upsets that I like. Uh, quickly here, baseball. Yankees re-signed Rizzo. I believe it was a two-year deal. I mean, this has just become par for the course. Now it it's better than nothing. It, they, they were too right-handed. They needed a lefty bat. It's not Freeman. It's not the way they do business anymore to just go after these big ticket items with the exception of Garrett Cole. I mean, this is, that's a few off seasons ago now. I mean, last year they didn't do anything this year. They haven't done anything. They just not their MO anymore. They're very cost effective. They're let's face it. They're cheap. I mean, I mean, the Yankees are cheap. You bring in Donaldson. who actually, they owe Donaldson a lot of money. He's a 36 year old third baseman who's injury prone. He doesn't play in a lot of these games. I mean, he was great a couple years ago in 2019, but you know, missed a bunch of games in 2020, missed a bunch of games last year. And then you bring in Rizzo. You bring Rizzo back, who was a good Yankee. You know, he was really good at the the start of his stint. Remember, they traded for him end of July. He was really good in, you know, I want to say August. Not great in September. Good player. You know, above average, I would say. Really good with the glove. Okay, power gives him a lefty presence. He walks. So, just kind of running it back. If you're the Yankees, I mean, that's all they're doing. They're good enough to be in the mix. And with 12 playoff teams, you know, they'll be in the playoffs. But uh, to me, the team to beat here. Toronto plus 200 at Bet River Sportsbook. Boy, plus, plus 210. Toronto, the Blue Jays are plus 210 at Bet Rivers to win the division. And the Blue Jays are plus 550 to come out of the American League. To me, the Blue Jays are significantly better than the Yankees. The Blue Jays trade for Matt Chapman. Uh, they signed the left handed pitcher Kikuchi last week, who pitched for the Mariners uh, last year. And, and, you know, he's a pretty good pitcher. That's a good rotation with Barrios, Gaussman. Uh, Kikuchi and Ryu. Now they don't have that true number one, that guy that you can line up against, you know, Cole, even though Cole had a bad game against, you know, the Red Sox in the wild card, that's still, he's still Garrett Cole. He's still a Cy Young, you know, contender favorite uh, pretty much every year. 
And Gaussman was great last year in the National League, but that's a big ballpark. That's with the pitcher hitting. We'll see how he does in the AL East. But to me, the Blue Jays, uh, that lineup is just ridiculous with Guerrero and Bichette. And now you add Chapman, who's uh, you know got obviously a lot of power and a good glove uh, to go with the rest of that team. They have speed. They have power. They have pitching. Uh, Manoa is a good pitcher. That's just a really, really good baseball team. Uh, and one, I hate to say it, it's better than the Yankees. They're better than the Yankees. Freeman, obviously, is going to go elsewhere. Uh, we'll see if he goes to the Red Sox. Sounds like it's possible. And again, Heyman, John Heyman tweeted out, and a few of these people tweeted out, well, the Yankees were interested. They just couldn't make it happen. It's just they, they never seem to close the deal on these big-ticket guys anymore. It's just you know Harper, Machado. Uh, you know, you go down the line these last few years and they just can't, they can't close. They can't, they don't bring in these big ticket guys. They go for these B-level guys and what they end up with is what they have. And that is a B-level team that hasn't made the World Series in 12 years. Hasn't, you know, they've won the division once since 2012, once. They won it in 2019. So you're talking from 2013 to 2000. We're now in 2022. One division title. This is the New York Yankees. And you have an offseason where Freddie Freeman's available, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story. You need a shortstop. You end up with, you know, Kiner Falefa and Donaldson at third and uh, running it back with Rizzo at first. I, I would imagine Voight would be traded. I, I would have to imagine. Like I said, the East kind of uh, superfluous at this point. I, I know they always have injuries, so it, it would be nice to have him around, but it doesn't sound like they'll keep him around. I would think somebody will take him because Voight doesn't make a lot of money. He's got some pop. He's hurt too much anyways, and he's a bad defensive first baseman. Uh, and he's kind of everything the Yankees are, which is right-handed, slow, not good enough on defense. He, he kind of signified a lot of the Yankees' problems last year, but he's got value. You can send him somewhere, especially with the DH now in the NL. Uh, Voight will have value. So can't be thrilled if you're a Yankee fan. You, you really can't be uh, with the, the prices they charge you to show up. And you know what? You're not in on Correa. You're not in on this guy. You're not in on Freddie Freeman. You just kind of settle for these B-level guys. It's just... It's not good enough. Meanwhile, the Mets are out there. They're signing Scherzer. They're being aggressive. They're trading for Bassett. They're improving the team. And Yankees are just kind of shopping at the discount aisle, which has really become their MO, whether it's free agency, you know, trade deadline. They've been very careful not to trade for this guy or that guy. They're, they're hoarding their prospects. Uh, just, just not crazy about it. Can't love it if you're a Yankee fan. Can't love it. You know, you show up to a Yankee game and, and they charge you 50 bucks to park. And, you know, their big offseason acquisition is Josh Donaldson and, and Kiner Falefa and you know, bringing back Anthony Rizzo. So Yankees will be in the mix. They're good. They're a wild, you know, they'll contend for the division. I, I don't favor them. I think the Blue Jays are significantly better. Remember the Rays won 100 games last year. Red Sox went to an ALCS. So they got their work cut out for them. They'll find a way to get in the playoffs. They still have Cole and Judge and Stanton. I mean, that's a lot of high-level talent. I think Stanton playing the outfield more will help, you know, his durability help him you know, kind of stretch his body out. We saw him last year when he when he played in the outfield. He A, played well in the outfield, and B, it kept him healthy. Uh, I think you sit around and you DH all day, you kind of, I don't know, it just didn't, didn't work out for whatever reason. That's kind of, you kind of pair that up with his injuries. Maybe it's a coincidence, maybe it's not. But with Judge, Stanton, Cole, you know, Chapman's still an above-average closer, even though you don't really trust him in a big spot. Yankees have enough. You know, LeMahieu, uh, Donaldson when he plays, uh, you know, it, it's a good enough team to win I don't know, 92 games, 90 games. Uh, this is by no means a juggernaut. By no means is this like a you know 95 plus 100 win team. That at one point you became used to as a Yankee fan. You know you could just kind of pencil the Yankees in for 98, 100, 102 wins, that kind of range. That's not the Yankees anymore. It's just 
they're happy with winning their 90 games, being in the mix. People keep showing up in the ballpark, and that, that's really that's their MO right now. Keep cashing those checks. People keep showing up. That's all that matters. Uh, whether they win the title or not, yeah. Look, if we win, it's it's a bonus, but can't look at this Yankee team. This team is worth $7 billion. You can't look at them and say, hey, they're going all out to win. They're just not. They're just not. And you can say, all right, these long-term contracts, they're a bad deal. Uh, usually it doesn't work out for the team. Yeah, you're probably right. But, you know, the last time the Yankees won, um, you know, the last time the Yankees won, 2009, they were really aggressive in free agency. They signed Sabathia. They blow away Teixeira. Last minute stealing from the Red Sox. They signed Swisher, Burnett. I mean, they went all out. They spent. And eventually, you know, most of the contracts, like, like I mentioned, eventually most of those contracts become bad contracts. But you got to strike when the iron's hot. It gives you a chance to win on the front end of them. And that's just not a, a game the Yankees are playing anymore. Like I mentioned, no Harper, no Machado. They pass on all these guys. Scherzer they're not in the mix for. Uh, just kind of frustrating. So to me, the Blue Jays plus 210, plus, plus 250 to... I'm sorry, plus 550 to win the American League, plus 210 to come out of the the, uh, the American League East and win the division. Uh, to me, this is the Blue Jays' division. The Rays are still really good, but the Blue Jays, their power, their pitching, uh, they just have a lot of depth. They're young, so you figure you, know, you don't have to worry about the injuries as much. They're, with a younger team, they're not going to get as hurt as much as a, a Yankee team that's not old, but you know Stanton and Judge always find their way on the DL, usually for a week or two at worst, at, at best, you know. Uh, if you're a Yankee fan. So to me, this is a Yankee team that is looking up at the Blue Jays. They might still be looking up at the Rays, kind of on par with the Red Sox. We'll see what moves they make. Uh, just some other things quickly. Schwarber signs with the Phillies. Uh, I think there's one more I'm forgetting. Freeman, we still don't know. Correa, we still don't know. Story's still out there. So uh, a couple weeks away, some of these, you know, it's not moving as fast as I thought in terms of the free agency. You figured a, a couple of these guys, you know, once the, the lockout ended, these guys would all be signed, but dragging out a little bit. So, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Rizzo back with the Yankees. Uh, Freeman, you think, would sign within the next couple of days. We'll see on Correa. But that is the baseball. Giants signed Tyrod Taylor to be the backup quarterback. We'll do more Giants and Jets as the draft comes, as free agency, uh, you know, ramps up here. We'll, we'll definitely... Spend some time on the football. It's just tough this time of year with the NCAA tournament, baseball coming back, NBA playoffs. It's kind of uh, kind of going any direction. But the Taylor signing makes sense. That's a guy really who you bring him in. He might be as good as Jones. Now, he didn't play great last year for the Texans. Remember, he played pretty well early in the year. He got hurt. Um, and then he came back, and he, he really he lost his job to Davis Mills. He wasn't great, but you know he's a guy. He's a perfect backup. He can come in if if your quarterback misses three or four games, which Jones is prone to missing three or four games. He can come in and go two and two, which is all you can ask. So um, now they're trying to give Jones an opportunity to be the starter to audition this year. I don't think they'll you know even if Taylor plays great in camp, I don't think they would give him the job. But uh, you never know. You never know. Jones struggles. You put Taylor in, he plays well. It's not impossible. But I would think Taylor does come in at least as the backup for the first you know month plus and if jones is awful or hurt then, then maybe they put taylor in but nice insurance nice uh insurance policy to have especially after glennon and from you know we saw what they did last year you needed at least an able-bodied nfl quarterback as your backup in the giants bring in that he's a high quality backup at least uh to, to give jones a little bit of a safety net so Covered everything in the first segment. When we come back, JVT on the Thursday games in terms of the NCAA tournament. We'll do some NBA draft stuff with him, who the Knicks should pick. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. 
it's been a trip going to New Jersey to place your online sports bets, but those days are over. Legal online sports betting is now live in New York with Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Sign up right now. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Get an account and start making your bets right here in New York. You even get up to a $250 match on your first deposit. That's Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Must be 21. Playable New York only. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. And he is back. He is the host of The Edge, host of the Hardwood Handicappers podcast, and senior NBA insider for VEASAN, Jonathan Von Tobel. Jonathan, what's going on, man? How are you? Nothing much, man. It's a busy time. You know, NBA is getting down in the last four weeks. Tournament time, of course. Uh, it's like your head's spinning. There's so much stuff going on. It's it's incredible. Does your NBA stuff take a backseat a little bit when college goes full swing? Or you try to uh, balance both balls here. You got to balance them both. Uh, actually, right before we came on, I just posted the first draft of the daily betting market report. I will be finishing that up uh, when we get off the air here. Can't give up. Can't give up at all. Yeah, for me... It's I look, but it's just it's hard to do both just in oh, depth, yeah. uh, especially doing the podcast. And we got baseball news. There's there's so much going on. Anything you like tonight in the NBA? Before yeah, I, college? I did take uh, the point with, with Charlotte. I think it's pretty incredible. So I, I, I don't know how much you've been following Atlanta. Right now, they're in the middle of this like 0-6, 0-7 ATS slide. But like, Will, every day the market is betting Atlanta. Like they're, they're getting support every single day, and they have not covered their last seven games. They're one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. They are back and forth in like two possession games with the Portland Trailblazers and the Indiana Pacers, and yet they're laying 12 and 13 points in those games. And here again today, right, you know, for, for those who haven't been keeping track, home court this this year is worth two points, right? It's, it's been about what it's worth in the NBA this year. So they open up two against Charlotte, which seems to be a fair number, right? They're missing um, – like Danilo Gallinari is going to play, but they're missing John Collins. They're on the road. So, you know, two of the same teams. Yet again, though, within an hour of that game getting posted, Hawks were a one-point favorite on the road. I, I just don't understand it. So I played against them a couple of times during this losing streak, and I'm just going to keep doing it. So, yeah, I took uh, Charlotte so far today. I uh, Like I said, my research has been slacking a little bit. Monday night, the game was about to start. I saw OKC's getting 12 at home against the Hornets. I was like, who are the Hornets to be laying 12 on the road against anybody? First, check, first score I see was 48-37 OKC. I'm like, all right, yeah, I knew what I was doing. Next thing I know, they're down hey. uh, 12 right after the third, like right in the third quarter. They must have um, given up a huge run and... Uh, it was uh the Hornets ended up covering that one, so I'm not sure. You know, the the Thunder are just tanking, right? Same thing as last year. Yes, so, and, and I'm glad you brought this up. This is for for your listeners. This is something to keep track of. And I got to pull up my tweet so I can get the exact amount of games right. Uh, but so for those who don't remember, last year one of the worst win total beats that you will ever see transpired, uh, and it was the Thunder only needed three wins in their last 25 contests to go over their win total. They went one in 24. And they went under their win total because they just tanked like just as hard as they possibly could, um, you know, to end the year. Well, they're doing it again this year, and you might have something brewing with this win total yet again. They only needed—I—I I, I can't find it. I think it was—I uh, I think like uh, two weeks ago they only needed about four wins or something like that, five wins, and they're still sitting on four. <laughs> like they're—they're they're trying really hard again to tank. And you might be in a spot where you are um, in a rough situation with this win total. So I can't wait to keep track of this because they keep losing these games, like you mentioned, and they're probably going to go into their win total again. It's fascinating. 
Yeah, some of these are coming right down to the number, which is usually the case. Like, I know I'm sitting on Orlando, and it's like, oh, no, four wins beats me. But four wins with Orlando, and they've played pretty hard. They've played pretty well. But, you know, some of these bad teams, it's hard to go four and ten. You're, you might not win. You know, you might only win one or two now. Sometimes these teams play each other, but just hard for these bad teams to get wins down the stretch. And, yep. uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and OKC did end up staying under the total last year, right? And, and I remember they won – the last game against the Clippers, remember it was a tank off. The Clippers tried to tank to, to avoid a certain bracket. I think they wanted to avoid the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And then the Thunder, they were both tanking down the stretch. Yes, yes, indeed. Now, I guess uh, it, I, it, to a certain extent, it worked out for the, the Mavericks, for the Clippers. They made it to the Western Conference Finals. But, yes, that was an incredible that was an incredible game to watch. Both teams who just want to flat-out lose. The players don't. Uh, but the team's putting out just these terrible lineups to, <laughs> to lose games on purpose. Uh, it was awesome to watch. I can't. I don't know for the life of me what I did with that tweet, but uh, I'll, I'll find it and I'll retweet it uh, later today because uh, the the Thunder win total watches on yet again. But yesterday, last year's beat. It's it's one of the worst. It'll go down as one of the worst to finish the season one and twenty four, and you only needed three wins over the last twenty five games to lose that. Oh, I don't know what I would do if I had it. Yeah, and it's why I'm a proponent of let these top seeds pick their opponents because it's just ridiculous. Hey, I'm the two seed, but I want to lose so I can be the three or the four. I think we're going to see it this year with the Sixers, who ideally are going to stay out of the two. Now, they're playing so poorly, it might not, you know, they might not need to tank. They're just kind of uh, naturally tanking, but you don't want to be the two and have to play the Nets in the first round. I just think, you know what, let these better seeds choose their opponent. Th this idea that you got to lose games to get out of it, I, that's just how I feel about it. Yep. Oh, here we go. And by the way, so, all right, so last season I, I found my tweet. This season they were 17 and 34. Uh, they needed to finish the season 7 and 24 better to go over. That was on March 9th. So it's March 16th. They haven't won since in the. Yeah, they are on, I think, what, a six, seven game losing streak at this point right now. So something wow. to keep an eye on for the Thunder. I think they're gonna they're gonna burn over betters yet again. Wow. Uh, all right, we'll get into it. Uh, just from a format of the show, we're doing the show on a Wednesday, so we'll cover the Thursday games today. We'll cover the playing games, and then tomorrow we'll do the Friday games. Just try to keep the content fresh. Uh, we'll start with tonight. Anything you got? Rutgers, Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame's a better offensive team. Rutgers. Rutgers is a little like the Raptors, a bunch of switchy guys, can't really shoot, but they're good on defense, uh, athletic. Uh, anything tonight in uh, in Rutgers-Notre Dame? Rutgers yeah. is now plus one. Yeah, I wasn't initially going to get involved, but I also thought that Rutgers was going to be the favorite here. And so I just took the I took the point here uh, with, with the Scarlet Knights. I just uh, You mentioned their switchability. I like teams a lot, and I think this is the NBA handicapper in me, but I love teams that are big, can switch, and still, you know, not really give up anything on the defensive end, and I think that is Rutgers. I mean, they're seventh in average height, according to Ken Palm. I think it's going to be a pretty big advantage here, uh, literally and figuratively, against Notre Dame. You know, Notre nice. Dame, when you look at some of the issues that they've had defensively at times, uh, it has been a little bit in terms of rebounding, but it's been on the interior as well. I just, I think Rutgers is going to be able to do a lot here. And I think they're just a little undervalued. You know, we, we remember Rutgers as the team who, hey, I know it's not the rack anymore, I think, right? But they play well at the rack. They don't play away, uh, well away from home. But that's not really the case. They actually had some pretty solid road wins this year. Uh, they went to Indiana. They won that game. They won at Wisconsin. Um, they, so they have shown an ability to be competitive on the road and to win games on the road on top of just being a big and switchable team. So uh, I took one with Rutgers. I, I think they should be favored here, so I grabbed it. How about the other one here? The other playing Bryant now getting three uh, against Wright State, Bet River Sports. It's actually a pretty good game for the 16 yeah. seeds. I've watched a little bit of Bryant. They're not bad. Wright State's not bad. Uh, I lean with the dog here. They got Kiss, who's the leading scorer in the country. They got Pride, who's got 18 a game. They're fun. I don't know if you've watched them at all. They're cocky. They're always getting into fights and getting teed up. They got a little uh, 
a little personality to him. Anything you like in this game? Uh, I've watched a little bit of him, and of course, uh, the uh, what was it? The uh, the Northeast Conference was it the championship game? Oof. The uh, yeah, the, the fight and all that stuff, and Kiss going crazy and doing everything. No, I, I lean toward Brian as well, and this is one of those. Is, what I really like about some of these, you know, Ken Palm's not gospel will, but it is always interesting when you see the market get really far off of the Ken Palm number, mainly because all regular season long, the market has a clear respect for the Ken Palm number. And then in certain situations, all of a sudden you see like a clear divergence. And this is one of them, a projected one point loss for Bryant, but it's up to three and a half in some spots uh, in basketball, like in the NBA. There's not really any key numbers given how fluid those games are, how many possessions and what can happen. But in college basketball, three and a half is a pretty solid key number here. So to me, it was going to be Bryant or pass. And you mentioned it, total 155 and a half. It's going to get up and down. This should be a really fun, high scoring game. It's like watching two dudes who don't know how to fight. Not that these two teams don't know how to fight, but it's just going to be throwing haymakers the entire time. And it's, it's going to be action and it's going to be a lot of fun. So I lean toward Bryant, but I didn't play anything. Yeah, one other set I should throw in there. I think Wright State's in like the 18th percentile when facing zone defense, and Brian's going to throw a lot of zone at him. Yep. And I, I just think Brian's got a lot more shot creators from what I've seen of him. Again, it's, it's not like I'm watching him every day, but uh, Brian just to me has a little more juice on offense. Wright State's really good offensive rebounding team. So uh, not a bad 16 game. Not a bad 16-16 game. The, the one last night was pretty tough to watch. Texas Southern versus Corpus Christi. That was... Uh, that was tough. It's, it's funny. You slap an NCAA tournament label on these games, and suddenly a, a game you'd never watched, now you're all into it. And, uh, you know, that, that one was a little tough last night, but this one should be pretty good tonight. Both games should be pretty good tonight. Uh, we'll move on to tomorrow. The first game, always a good feeling. That first, that noon game, Eastern time, the tip off. Uh, it, it's just great to get it underway. It is Michigan laying two and a half against Colorado State. Uh, I, I think the fact that an 11 is, is laying points to a 6 kind of tells you what you need to know here. I think that's a little bit of a hit. Uh, anything in this game you like? Yeah, I think the market got it right in making Michigan uh, like this this much of a favorite on the road. Colorado State's going to be up against it from a size perspective. And look, I, I watch a lot of Mountain West basketball. I was uh, down courtside for the entire Mountain West Conference tournament, so I've seen these teams up close. They're a very good team, uh, Colorado State. There's no disrespect to them. But the best front court presence is David Roddy. For those who don't know, six foot six, two hundred and fifty-five pound kid. He's a junior. He's spectacular. Uh, Ken Palm has him as the tenth best team in, or tenth best player in terms of like these, uh, you know, most valuable player standings or whatever he calls them. Uh, but he's like their lone big front court presence. And while he's very good, he's going to be at a massive size disadvantage here against Michigan. I mean, look at some of the bodies down low that Michigan's going to have here outside of Hunter Dickinson. Uh, a guy like Musa Diabate is 6'11", and insanely springy and athletic. It's just going to be a pretty big problem when your best down low presence is 6'6", and stocky. And the two guys he's going to be going against are 7'1", and 6'11", and extremely athletic. And I just think this Colorado State team, and if you look down the stretch to the Rams, their offense will really fell off, but especially in these conference tournament games. But if you look at some of the offensive ratings for them, we're talking about 99 against San Diego State, 89.9 uh, against Utah State in their win in the semifinal matchup. Wyoming held them to 98.3. UNLV, who owned them in the regular season series in their last game at the Thomas and Mack, well under 0 0.9 points per possession. So I just think it's a tough matchup. You're extremely undersized. I didn't lay it because I, you know, opened pick at some spots and got immediately the two and a half. But I think the market got it right here that Michigan should be laying this number. Uh, we'll move on here. This is 1240 Eastern, South Dakota in Providence. Uh, look, I know Providence has been lucky. They are not an analytics darling by any sense. Yeah. Uh, they're Some of their numbers, it's amazing. They're a four seed, and they're like the 10th favorite to come out of the bracket. I was looking to bet against them, uh, against South Dakota State, but you're only getting two now with South Dakota State. To me, it's almost like it, the pendulum has swung a little too far here. I might actually lean Providence. I haven't bet it yet. I don't know if I will. Uh, any thoughts on this one? So I've... I 
So I am not uh, one of the guys, the analytics guys, who has been trying to take my swing of Providence every day. Um, I have only I have bet on Providence. This is the second consecutive game in which I bet against Providence. I had a, I had Creighton plus three and a half in that Big East semifinal matchup. Creighton just wiped Oof. the floor with them. Uh, didn't even have to sweat it out. I mean, the shot quality stuff, I think it was more like a six-point win, whatever it was still. You didn't have to sweat it out. Uh, but the luck kind of ran out in that game. And so I grabbed two and a half here uh, on Sunday. Just figured it would be a number grab only because I figured that the market would be all over them, right, in terms of the Jackrabbits. And I, I think, too, Will, what's lost in all this, so much is going to be made of Providence and, like, the luck factor and all these things. The South Dakota State team is a really good team. They, they can shoot the ball extremely well. Uh, they have a very good presence inside. They're a solid defensive team, too. I just think, for me, it's – Providence one you mentioned is not an analytic darling. You cannot keep winning these one possession games, which that has been clear, especially when everything, you know, the dam kind of broke against Providence, uh, excuse me, against Creighton in that Big East semifinal matchup. But I just think it's kind of hard against the Jackrabbits team who can shoot and score inside as well as this team can to win a game like this. I think this team, this number, I think is pretty accurate in the part that it gives the Jackrabbits some respect here. So I grabbed two and a half. I think that the Jackrabbits obviously are very live grabbing that and can win this game outright. And on top of that, the cherry on top is the fact that this team has been playing with fire Providence all year long, and eventually that's going to break. Yeah, I lean South Dakota here, but I, again, I was hoping to get more than two. Yeah. I, I, like when the bracket came out, I was like, I'm going to be all over South Dakota plus, I don't know, four or five, but two, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess I would lean South Dakota there. I, the last thing I want to do is back Providence after, you know what, they're not that good, they're not that good, then I'm going to bet them. I, I don't know, I'm kind of torn on that one, but, uh, you know, interesting. That's 1240 tomorrow, then we'll move on. Uh, team you've seen a lot, you mentioned you, met, you see the uh, Mountain West a lot. Boise State in Memphis. Memphis, the nine seed, laying two and a half. Uh, I watch a lot of Mountain West, too. I don't think there's a lot of teams in the Mountain West that have the speed. The athleticism of Memphis, it, it's going to be a little bit of a culture shock, I think, to see this Memphis team. They are very fast, very athletic. Uh, any lean in this game? Yeah, I, I bet Boise State. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's, it's funny because everybody's like all I keep hearing about over the last few days is man Memphis and Gonzaga that's going to be a tough matchup for the Zags and I'm like Memphis is only two and a half point favorite here against Boise yeah. State like this has been penciled in as like it's over like Boise State's done this is Boise State look they're a slow team they're 307th in tempo uh, Memphis is 34th they're 294th Boise State is an average possession length Memphis is 48th but Memphis has trouble rebounding, 288th in opponent offense rebounding rate. Broncos team grabs 30.6% of their misses. And on top of that, Boise State, like they, I don't think people realize this, Will. Uh, they have four seniors in this lineup, yeah. and four of them are six foot seven or taller. Abu Kijab, Emmanuel Akat, uh, six foot eight and six seven respectively. Tyson Dagenhart at six foot seven, and Armist, their big center, at six foot ten. If they need to, they can get up and down the floor. But Memphis is also, like, when you're talking about size, they match up with Nolly, they match up with Williams and Duran, but also Memphis is one of the worst teams in this field in terms of turning the ball over, right? They have a big problem offensively in turning this over. And against a good Boise State team who on turnovers can get out and run, effective field goal percentage in transition, I think it's like 57 58%, something like that. I just – this is a really athletic Memphis team. And you're right, like, Boise State is not used to matching up with teams like this. But it's also not like they're like dead in the water here with the insane bodies that they have, the length that they have, and the age that they have, which is always good in NCAA tournament settings. So I grabbed two and a half with Boise State, but I'm just I'm laughing at the fact that the overall thought process here, like when you just look at the collective, we're talking about the second round matchup between Memphis and Gonzaga, like they're a nine and a half point favorite here against the Broncos. 
it's funny because I've been just busy, you know, handicapping these games, working on stuff. So I haven't heard a lot. And, and again, that always uh, is a concern when anyone's penciling one team in. That's always a concern. I think you bring up a good point with the Boise State experience. Uh, they got a lot of size. They got men. They got, like you said, fourth, fifth year guys. So you don't think about that a lot, but that's a, that's a big thing here in these late in these games when, you know, 22 year olds versus 19 year olds. That's a big difference. Uh, you know, just the physical maturity, the experience, all that. So. Uh, yeah, I still lean Memphis here. I just think there's an athletic gap here, but you, you do make some good points about Boise. Maybe you talk me down uh, a little bit off of that one. Uh, we'll move on here. 2 o'clock Eastern, Norfolk State and Baylor. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this. Yeah. Uh, you, you are taking the Norfolk State money line or no? <laughs> no, I'm not. I think for, for Baylor, the story is as you get deeper into the tournament, right? those injuries start to show themselves. Jonathan Chamuchachua, not him him not being available. LJ Cryer being in and out of the lineup and not being available. In a game like this, they'll be fine. Uh, do they cover a number? Not entirely sure. Didn't have a really good read on it. But for me, the story about Baylor is as you get deeper into the game – and as you take on opponents who can match up with your size and physicality on the glass, that's when you start to miss some of the guys that are missing. And uh, that's all I'm looking for for Baylor. But I, I'm going to go on a limb and say they move on here. All right. We'll we'll, uh, we'll clip that one. And if it's, uh, <laughs> if it's a Norfolk State upset, we're going to get uh, get freezing cold takes involved. Right, I'm down with uh, it. Longwood in Tennessee, 245 Eastern. Tennessee link 17 at Bet River Sportsbook. Uh, don't know much about Longwood. Anything on this game? You know, I'm, I actually was leaning pretty strongly toward Longwood, and I, and I still might take my shot here. The, the thing that it, it interests me about Tennessee, Will, is, you know, I, I'm not entirely – like, I'm not a, a huge fan of teams like Tennessee who are really, really relying on their jump shooting, and, and that's what Tennessee is. If you look at the skew of how they get their points – uh, if you look at it from a percentage standpoint, at least 35.9% of their points come from three pointers, only 46.8% from two pointers in conference play against SEC opponents. They were awful inside the arc. They shot 44.9%. That was 14th in the SEC. They're 247th in that metric overall in the country. And, when you look at Longwood, like to give them some credit, you know, Longwood is a relatively decent team. And, you know, again, we're talking about conference play against lesser opponents, but they think they can stand up here at least and stay inside a number against the Tennessee team that I think if they're going to get cold here with their jump shooting, then this opens the door for a Longwood team that themselves are a pretty good three-point shooting team. So to me, like, I might take this 17.5 or whatever the number, you know, the best number that's available. Maybe it gets a little bit higher by the time we get closer to tip-off tomorrow. But I'm just I'm always hesitant to like big numbers with jump shooting teams like Tennessee, especially coming off of a big performance like they did against Kentucky, because the market's going to be a little bit higher than they probably should against a team that nobody really knows about. You know, I will tell the audience this when you're filling out your bracket, just keep in mind, Rick Barnes coaches Tennessee and Rick Barnes had Kevin Durant, yep. DJ Augustine and Dexter Pittman. who was also an NBA you know, starter, I think, at some point for the heat and could not make the sweet 16. So be careful penciling Rick Barnes in your brackets. I'll just. Uh, give that public service announcement. Uh, Richmond, Iowa. This is 310 Eastern. Iowa, the five seed, laying 10.5. Richmond steals a bid. Really stole that game from Davidson late. That was a, a collapse by Davidson. I had I had Davidson. That was a terrible loss yeah. by them. Not that they really mattered because they're in the tournament anyway. Uh, Iowa's been red hot. They defend a little better. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? I was surprised that the on Sunday, the initial market move was actually toward Richmond. Uh, this got down to as low as nine and then made its way back up to this 10 and a half right now. Uh, I like Iowa. You know, I, I have a um, I have a ticket on Kansas to win this whole thing. I, I bet it before the season started at like 13 to one and uh, kind of thought it was dead in the water. But the draw in this bracket seems pretty good. But the hiccup Oof. is a potential sweet 16 matchup with Iowa. But Iowa's going to have the best player of the floor in Keegan Murray. They're a good shooting team at this point right now. They're playing some of their best basketball. 
I'm just not sure how Richmond really ke- keeps up with them to a certain extent. You look at Richmond and the way that they played defensively uh, in A-10 play, it, like it wasn't good. They were ninth in defensive efficiency. They gave up 35.8% from deep. They were ninth in terms of two-point defense. Uh, they were dead last in free throw defense. Uh, but I just, I just don't like this Richmond team defensively, and I just don't know who's matching up with Murray at all. Uh, what do you like? What do you think of Murray as a pro? I think he's going to be good, man. Like I th- when you're when you're looking at guys, because this is the NBA now, right? When you're talking about a dude who's six foot eight, who can shoot the ball, who can rebound as well as he can, like he's got a place in the NBA. He's going to be a really good wing player. The fact that he went from I think it was like thirty percent last year to forty percent shooting from three point range, it, it makes all the difference in the world. So you can shoot, you can rebound, you can switch on multiple guys. You know, I haven't watched him a lot defensively. I want to see more against some pretty good dynamic athletes. You'll see that later in this uh, in this tournament. Because uh, I'm sorry, but the Big Ten doesn't really offer a whole lot of that. I, I think um, I'm going to be interested to see how he performs defensively, but I think he's going to be a really good pro. He has all of the typical tools that you need for a good wing player. Yeah, and we'll go through the rest of these games, and I'll, I'll get some of your thoughts here, just to, uh, some draft stuff in general. But we'll move on here. Gonzaga uh, and Georgia State. Georgia State's actually taking some money. I haven't watched a lot of Georgia State, but from what I've read, this is actually a pretty good team. I guess their seed is lower because – uh, they had some COVID stuff middle of the year. Yep. They really had a disaster beginning of the year, but they've taken some money, which is surpri- not surprising, but usually you don't see people you know, running up to bet against Gonzaga in the first round. Uh, line moved from 26. It is now 23 and a half at Bet River Sportsbook. Uh, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're right, because they started, they were 6-9 and nine to start the season. They lost to Coastal Carolina in overtime, but they had injuries and COVID issues, as you mentioned. They were 0-4 in conference play. Uh, but since that loss to Coastal Carolina in overtime, they've lost one game. That was uh, at home against Troy. Uh, but since then, they have been absolutely on fire. Uh, they have won, I think it's like 10 straight games now. Uh, but I think that's deserving. When you look at the way that this team has played down the stretch, this is a, a Georgia State team who is much better than their seed indicates, and I think the power rating indicates as well. Like, look, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a Georgia State expert, so I didn't play this in any way whatsoever, but I totally understood that the market was kind of moving in this direction. I think it's more of a value grab than anything else. Like, this is a team that's just a little underseeded and a little undervalued by the market because their season-long metrics don't really represent what they were over the last 13 games of the regular season, you know? Yeah, uh, again, as good as Georgia State, you know, is for a 16 seed, you're getting close here, 23 and a half with yeah. Gonzaga. You don't. Last thing you want to do, you know, you, you bet Georgia State here. You look up and the first score you see is you know 20 to four, and you're like, what the hell did I do? <laughs> so I'm not sure I'm going to play this one. There's um, better things to sweat out than uh, Georgia yes, State in a spot absolutely. like that. But I will say, uh, this is, what was interesting here was this opened as high as 27 on Sunday during Selection wow. Sunday, and then now it's down to where it's at now. So I think that's a lot of the people for those who are listening too, and I'm sure. You you know, you know this as well. But uh, for those who are listening, when you talk about sharps on a side, uh, sharps are on like twenty-seven and maybe twenty-six and a half, not as low as it is right now. Exactly, exactly. Uh, a game I don't have a lot of interest in here is uh, this is four thirty Eastern. UNC now laying three and a half at Bet Rivers against Marquette. I just I can't figure this one out again. Uh, the books they have to make a line in all these games is better. We don't have to bet on all these games. Yep. This is one that's a pretty easy pass for me. Uh, any any lean here with uh, Marquette and UNC? I, I leaned toward North Carolina, and I had, I had to write this up for the website. Uh, so take it with a grain of salt. It wasn't a, exactly a best bet. But to me, the, for what, what won out in terms of at least leaning toward North Carolina was the size. Like when you're talking about Baycott and others who, who are able to rebound and destroy a team who is well in the mid-200s in terms of offensive and defensive rebounding, that was Marquette. I think that's going to be a pretty big problem. North Carolina's also got uh, Leaky Black, who is a pretty good defender, who was, at least by some, 
uh, considered to potentially be an ACC uh, Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Uh, but I just think when you look at it, like just the physical matchups gave me a little bit of an edge here toward North Carolina. Nothing insanely strong. And I even put in the write-up, like there are certainly a universe where Marquette's fast-paced offense just runs North Carolina out of the gym with how poor they've been defensively. But I, I tend to value size a little bit in some of these matchups where there's a pretty good advantage on the glass. And I think North Carolina has that. Yeah, uh, again, not a game I'm going to bet. This is a game I have bet, though. 6.50 Eastern. This is uh, some local interest here. UConn now laying 6.5. This opened, I think, 7. Maybe there were some 7.5s out there against New Mexico State. Uh, I'm on the dog. They, they, yeah. you know, UConn struggles to score. They struggle to shoot at times. Uh, obviously very athletic, good on defense. New Mexico State's got a lot of size. Teddy Allen's a hell of a scorer. Uh, I'm on the dog here. Where are you with this game? Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, New Mexico State, they're actually a pretty good defensive team along the perimeter. Uh, they allowed 30% from deep. Uh, I think, like, this is something where it's going to be interesting because UConn actually shoots the ball relatively well. I think they shot like 35, 36% as a team from three. New Mexico State's one of those teams, almost like the Bucs, where they'll allow you to take those three-point shots. They're going to contest them, but really it's about defending the interior and then running guys off the three-point line. And you wonder if UConn could take advantage of that, but it's two slow-paced teams, like insanely slow. Yeah. Aggies pr prioritizing their interior defense, which I don't think, you, or I think UConn's going to have a problem with. Just seems like a pretty big number there for UConn. So I would agree with that. I didn't play it, but that was the side I was looking at. Yeah, and UConn, like you said, I I just I watch them a lot. It doesn't feel like they're a great shooting team. Their numbers aren't terrible. They just don't I, I think the volume, they don't make a lot of threes. I think they're 170 or something like that and made threes in the country. The one concern I do have, uh, we had Ian McMillan on the other day. He's like, New Mexico State, be careful because they are a turnover machine and they don't turn you over. So yep. that is one thing to watch, but I just think this number is a little too high. Um, this is an interesting one. Kentucky, St. Peter's, this is 710 Eastern, Kentucky laying 18. Uh, St. Peter's is really good defensively, especially for a 15 seed. It's just their offensive efficiency numbers scare you. Kentucky's really good in terms of offensive efficiency. I would worry about the St. Peter's misses turning into transition points for Kentucky and this one getting out of hand. Uh, any bet in this one? No, I didn't have anything, but here's what stuck out to me. And you mentioned St. Peter's offensively. It was like on Ken Palm, it's color-coded. There's a lot of red in the offensive column <laughs> for St. Peter's. Like, it's really bad. Um, but... What really stuck out was, while St. Peter's is really good defensively, one of the things, there's two things that stuck out. One, they foul a lot while defending. They're actually 347th in opponent free throw rate on defense. So they can defend really well, but they also foul a lot. So we'll see if that plays in here for a Kentucky team that doesn't draw a lot of fouls. But the other is, I'll call it like average, we'll call it average in terms of their ability to rebound defensively. Oscar Deshiwe, if you can't keep him off of the glass, like that's going to be a massive problem for you, uh, as every team is going to find out in this tournament. It's why I ultimately have Kentucky winning this whole uh, this bracket, at least, uh, because if they eventually run into Baylor, which I believe that's going to make the difference in that matchup. Uh, but to me, that that's what it was at. I didn't have a bet in this game, but looking at their ability to defend without fouling, which is something they've struggled with all year long, and the ability to keep Deshiwe off of the glass, I'm just not entirely sure if they have that ability to do so. Yeah, uh, I'm going to lay it with Kentucky in some form. I don't know if I'm going to do first half full game. I just think, you know, St. Peter's, it's like in baseball. You might be hitting 320 off a guy that throws 85 miles an hour, but Kentucky, Kentucky's going to come in throwing 99. This is a different level of athlete, yep. a different level. This is going to be a little bit of a culture shock for St. Peter's, I, I would think. And again, second chance points, huge concern uh, as well. Uh, this is 720 Eastern. St. Mary's laying two and a half against Indiana. The Hoosiers advanced last night against Wyoming, and they cover. Uh, Indiana, I guess, had some playing issues where they didn't fly out until really late. I, I don't know if they're even uh, out there yet. It's kind of unfair a little bit that they had to play in Dayton and then they fly out 
uh, West to play this game. St. Mary's lane two and a half. Anything on this one? No, I mean I, I like this St. Mary's team, and and I had a lean here towards St. Mary's. I haven't do I didn't dive into this one quite a bit yet, but it's two teams where like your eyes tell you that you're not overly impressed with them offensively, right? Like Indiana yesterday, there was possessions against Wyoming where they're just they're spending 20 seconds trying to get it inside as opposed to running anything in any way whatsoever. And with St. Mary's, my under. It, right? It was yes. Uh, but in St. Mary's, to give them credit, because they are a very well-coached team, as we know, like they'll just run a whole bunch of screens and curls and just try to get their guys who can only dribble with one hand, you know, lanes to the basket, and it works. Like, it's insanely effective. I've always just thought Randy Bennett is always good for a win in the first round, for the most part. And then after that, you, the limitations of his team really start to take hold. But I like this team defensively, St. Mary's. I, I like the way that they're schemed up. It's going to be an agonizingly slow game. It's probably going to be like 55 to 50, one of those types of contests. So, had a lean to the under, uh, but nothing really in terms of the side. But I do think St. Mary's probably going to move on. All right. Uh, another one I don't have a lot of interest in. Creighton, San Diego State. Maybe you uh, you know, watch the Aztecs a little more so you have, maybe have a better feel for this. Two teams I just don't have a great feel for. San Diego State, minus two and a half. Uh, this is a 727 Eastern start. Anything on this one? I do. I have a bet on this. Uh, I took Creighton plus two and a half. And Ooh, um, okay. um, look, when you look at Creighton right now, and um, I think part of what we've seen here in terms of the market and where this number has gone uh, is like Nembhard is a loss for Creighton, but I think they're starting to kind of figure this out for the most part. You know, if you look at this team, well, uh, they have covered now, uh, I think it's four out of five games. Uh, one of those losses was the loss to Providence. Uh, that they got blown out on, but they get revenge in the Big East tournament. But they've figured it out, I think, offensively for the most part, as much as you can, a team that's as limited as Creighton is on, on offense. But San Diego State, for those who have not watched them, they've got one guy who can score. And outside of that, it has been a train wreck for how poor this team has been on the offensive end of the floor. Two of the worst games I've seen in my life were played this year by the San Diego State Aztecs. It's just been a tr like just like pulling teeth. Pulliam's a fine guard, but it's just Matt Bradley and everybody else. I just think Creighton, with the way they've been able to play defensively, they've been undervalued by the market since they lost Nembhard. It's been very clear that I think they're much more competitive now since they've gotten used to ha not having them out there. Uh, I grabbed two and a half with Creighton. I've bet them a couple of times since they lost Nembhard. It's just kind of a team I've been following. So grab two and a half against the Aztecs. Aaron, I think you talked me into it. You can, you can talk me into some of these, by the way. I'm yeah. easily swayable uh, when it comes to these games. Another one I do have a bet on. The numbers moved. It opened seven and a half. It's now down to five. That is Arkansas laying five against Vermont. This is a 9:20 Eastern start tomorrow night on Thursday night. Uh, Vermont's really good. Yeah. Vermont is really good. Five is cutting it close, but I wouldn't be shocked if Vermont beat them. They are really good. Uh, really good transition defense, which you need against Arkansas. They post. They cut, which could give Arkansas some issues. Uh, where are you with this one? So I didn't have a lean. Arkansas was a, a Final Four team for me in my official bracket. Uh, but I will say this. It, to me, this is all about who dictates tempo. Because, like, Vermont, I don't think they've seen a team like Arkansas who runs as much as they do. Uh, Arkansas is 28th in tempo. They're 44th in average possession length. And, and Vermont, you mentioned, like, they're really slow. It's all about operating in the half court, doing everything that you talked about. And if they're going to allow Arkansas, like, if their shots aren't falling and Arkansas is able to just grab rebounds and start sprinting up the floor – Vermont, I think, is going to be in a pretty tough situation here because they haven't faced a transition offense like this. But here's the thing. Uh, this is not a good shooting team in, in Arkansas. They don't shoot the ball insanely well. It's all about just getting up those easy baskets in transition. So I understand, like, support for Vermont, and I understand thinking that they're going to be an upset pick. We saw Arkansas scuffle a little bit at the beginning of the tournament last year. Uh, but here's my here's my thing. Vermont, rebounding-wise, they were one of the best rebounding teams statistically in the country. Most of that came from conference play. 
Are they going to be able to do that? Because Arkansas is top 85, both rebounding categories offensively and defensively. So I think Arkansas wins, but like that big number, which it opened and it moving toward Vermont, I can totally understand them staying within that number. But I think Arkansas wins a close one. Yeah, should be a fun game. Vermont's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I don't know if you're old enough to remember. You remember the t- Taylor Coppenrath? That 2000, was it 2005 team where they upset Syracuse? Are you, are you too young for that? Uh, I, I, I vaguely remember. I was not as big into my college basketball fandom at that point, of being 14. All right. Yeah, that was, uh, boy, it's hard to think, man. You, you start to get older, these years go by quickly. So it does not uh, feel like, boy, 17 years ago, but because I remember hey. it pretty vividly. I mean, the I think it was Sorrentine who hit a shot, had to be like 10 feet behind the three point line, and Gus Johnson was screaming, he hit it from the parking lot. And, Boy, crazy at 17 years ago. Uh, it goes by fast. I'll tell you what. The uh, the other day, I forgot for the first time how old I was. Uh, and yeah, like, I'm not yeah. like I'm not super old, but like you know, I told somebody asked me how old I was. I was like, oh, I'm 30. And I was like, oh wait, no, I'm 31, and I'm turning yeah. 32 in a few months. Like, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's the first time. And I found like two gray hairs the other day. I was like, wow, time it's you going know? by. Hey man, you're betting the NBA. You're going to get some gray hairs. Those two are very oh, yeah. much correlated. You could you I can't got, parlay those because those are correlated. It's the worst things I could do for my health. I got two kids. Underneath the age of four, and I bet the NBA every day. I mean, how like how terrible is it? And you're sweating out the Hornets and the Timberwolves. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's gonna happen. A uh, few more games. This one's a really good game. I, I hate that the committee always does this. They pit these really good mid majors against each other. Uh, San Francisco and Murray State. This is a 9:40 tip. Murray State lane one and a half. Um, boy, Murray State's really good, but so is San Francisco. This is probably. I lean San Francisco in this game, but like I said, Murray State's really good. Uh, I think both of these teams are dangerous, although they're going to have to face Kentucky in the next round. So committee didn't do either of these teams any favors. Uh, do you have a bet in this one? Yes, I dislike this San Francisco team. And I, you know, I watched a lot of West Coast Conference basketball. I wrote up the preseason preview before the season started. And, you know, just late night games. So you really get to, like, take them in and watch them out here on the West Coast. And one of the things, and I wrote about this and wrote this pick up um, for our website which is I just I haven't really understood the analytics and like just the markets infatuation with the San Francisco team. They have a losing record against the spread because of their overvalued nature. Uh, they are a team that shoots a lot of threes, a lot of threes. Like I think it's like 43% of their attempts come from beyond the arc, and yet they shoot about 33% from three. So that has not really worked in their favor. Uh, their big guy, Masalski, actually has a small injury issue. So we'll see if that's going to work against them. Uh, in this matchup, I think, did I say his name right? Uh, yeah, Masalski. Um, but I just think this has been a San Francisco team well that has been pretty overvalued at times. And if you've looked, you know, tying into their offensive inefficiencies, it's led to some pretty poor performances. They had a they had a 17-point lead back at the end of January against St. Mary's, uh, which they ultimately blew and lost 72-70. to They lost a game against Portland 69-68 to because those shots weren't falling. Um, it, like, I just, I don't like the way the San Francisco team has operated. And I think the market's representative of that in terms of them being overvalued. And Murray State... They're awesome along the perimeter. They're switchable. They can defend. They've they've held opponents to 29% from three. That's going to be a big deal here. And the injury mark to Masalski overall, I grabbed one and a half with Murray State. I think they're going to be uh, winning this game and moving on. Do you give them a shot against Kentucky? I do. Like I think like yeah. I, I don't know how they handle uh, Toshiba, but other than that, like when you have a team like they do, and like it's a team that's pretty laden with talent, right? That has played right, like that has played uh, in some pretty good spots. In different parts of the country, but overall, when you can defend the perimeter like they can, and they were really good in rebounding themselves, by the way, again against lesser competition, but they're 11th in terms of offensive rebounding uh, in their own right. But KJ Williams is great down low at six foot ten, so he can match up a little bit in terms of defensive rebounding. The 82nd individual player in the country, and then you have other guys 
who have pretty good resumes in terms of Tevin Brown, Justice Hill. So, yes, I do think they got a pretty good shot. And you'd be catching a pretty good number there. So uh, I would be looking to bet them in the next round. All right, a couple more left. Akron, UCLA. This is another late tip, 9.50 Eastern. UCLA playing now 13.5 at Bet Rivers. Was 14. I believe I took the 14. Might have gotten the hook. I got to go back and look. Uh, I like Akron here. Ak- Akron's not bad. Um, I, I don't know that UCLA is a margin team. You know, they did a lot of mid-range stuff. Akron's pretty good defending the rim. I could see this being a closer game. I, I do like the points here. Uh, do you have a bet on this one? No, but I, I understand it. Like, you know, I know Akron's kind of like a, a sexy, sharp pick amongst the guys who are really following this stuff. And look, I, I just always put it this way. One, John Gross, it sounds like he's like a really good up-and-coming coach, that he's going to be getting some good jobs and maybe an NBA-type guy in the future. But when you have a team in Akron who is going to play just a grinded-out, very slow pace, and UCLA, I think, is going to be more than willing to do that as well. You know, they, I think they, they were in conference play averaging like 63 possessions per game. That's agonizingly slow. And they were one of the like slowest teams in the country, 350th. That just leaves you to staying within a pretty big number here. Like Your offense is going to have to be wildly inefficient if you're not going to be able to stay within a big number in a 62-possession type game, which this seems like it's going to be. And on top of that, too, you know, for a slow-paced team, their offense was pretty efficient this year. They were 113th in the country in offensive efficiency, so I totally understood the support for Akron. I haven't watched them a lot, though, so I didn't get involved. But statistically, if you looked at it, to me, it was going to be Akron or pass. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and this is the final game. Not much to talk about here, I wouldn't think. Kansas, this is around a 10 o'clock Eastern yeah. tip. Kansas leaning 21.5 against Texas Southern, who won yesterday. Uh, I, I have nothing on this one. What about you? <laughs> no, I, I got nothing. Uh, I will say, like I said, for me, like with Baylor, same thing with Kansas. It's just big picture. Like how you're going to be able to operate as you move into that, you know, into the next bracket. You get the winner of San Diego State Creighton. You should be able to take care of business against a lesser offensive opponent. But I'm telling you, man, like one of the one of the Sweet 16 matchups I cannot wait for. I really hope we get Iowa Kansas because that's going to be a hell of a matchup and that's going to be a lot of fun. And like that, that to me is representative in terms of that's the final four berth right there in that bracket. Whoever wins that game is going to get to the final four, and uh, it's going to be a pretty fun game. But, yeah, nothing in terms of that game. You you referenced, you alluded to your bracket. Did you pick a final four and a champion? I did. Here, let me pull it up really quickly. Up on Beeson. I think it's up on Beeson.com. I don't know. Ben Fox told me to send in a picture, but then I haven't seen it yet. So my final four uh, is Arkansas, Kentucky, Kansas, and Villanova. Oh, that's a little different. Okay, yeah, with uh, with Kentucky and Kansas facing off in the national championship game, and Kansas winning the whole shebang. I wanted to be a little, you know, a, a little different. I, I just couldn't. I don't know. I, I usually there's like kind of one intruder. You know, South Carolina. There's usually like a six seed or higher. I, I wasn't. I was a little chalky for my own liking. I went Zags, Kentucky, Arizona, and Iowa is the one kind of yeah uh, somewhat upset pick. So usually it's it's like two or three chalk teams and then one kind of out of the nowhere. Whether it's Loyola or you know South Carolina, UConn made it as an eight seed. Usually it's not too chalky, but you know three of the four are usually you know one or two seeds. Well, and humans um, and I talked about this on the show yesterday you know we, we always talk about these cinderella stories and madness and everything like that but at the end of the day chalk usually does win out yeah. it, the, the madness happens in the first two rounds you know like on my bracket for example i have colgate beating wisconsin beating lsu and then losing to kansas in the elite eight like that that to me is like the badness right because colgate's got a pretty good draw you can see them beating wisconsin and then getting a lesser opponent in lsu or iowa state and then you know just getting on a run because of the way the bracket falls but at the end of the day you usually get the four be- like better teams the way this format breaks down. So, yeah, uh, I would agree. Like, you know, Arkansas, Kentucky, Kansas, and Nova. I mean, I got two, what? I got two, two seeds, a one seed, and then a four seed in there. So not, not entirely wild. 
yeah, I totally agree with you. I feel like every year it's the same thing where Thursday, Friday, I was like, oh my God, what a crazy tournament. All these upsets. This <laughs> right. is madness. Then you uh, fast forward a couple weeks later and it's like Duke and Kentucky in the finals. It's like, or Baylor, Gonzaga, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, just a couple quick ones before we get you out of here on the NBA draft. Uh, who goes first overall? Is it team dependent or is there one guy where it doesn't matter who's picking, this guy should be the first pick in the draft? I, I usually tend to think it's team dependent. You know, a lot of the times I think we, we have this misconception that the NBA. It's just like, hey, best guy available, we'll draft him. But you know, there are times where there's a guy who, if there's a team that fits a need, uh, they're going to go ahead and select them. So it, to me, I always like to wait to the lottery. But I will say, the way that Jabari Smith plays, it does seem like he's going to be the guy. Uh, when you're a dude who's six foot ten, who can handle the ball like he does, a stretch four, who can rebound as well, shoot, I think he's like like a 44% three point shooter on over five attempts per game, something like that. When you have the skill set that he does, he's probably going to get it. Like he's got comps to Chris Bosch. Uh, that have been out there already right now. And two, like you look at the other guys around him for it, and I think that's the biggest factor here. Like Chet Holmgren is fine, but like his body, I think needs a lot of work to play in the NBA. Uh, we'll see if that's going to be the case. Jaden Ivey is a really good player who I think has started to surpass Chet Holmgren in some respects if you pay attention like big boards and whatnot. So I think it's, it's Jabari Smith is a really good prospect, but also the players around him. There have been enough doubts sown about Ivey Holmgren, uh, Paolo Bancaro, that I think Smith just seems to be the safe option here. So I think it's going to be Jamari Smith. Good draft, bad draft, or you, you don't kind of believe in that whole. Well, I, I see. I'm, I'm a fact. I'm a proponent of just as time and evolution goes on, these players are just freaking awesome. Like for people yeah. who haven't watched this year, this year's rookie class is incredible. They, they yeah, have been is. absolutely fantastic. Like there's been seven, there's going to be, so for the all-rookie team, there's like six, seven, eight guys that are in contention for the all-rookie team this year because they've been performing so well. And year after year, it seems like rookie classes just get deeper and deeper and just better and better. So I just think, you know, like, yeah, I think it's going to be a good class because I just think as humans, we're evolving and these kids are playing basketball since they're like four years old and they're going to be absolutely incredible by the time they hit the league. So yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty good class because I just think evolution is going to make it so. And also... When you have two six foot ten guys in Paolo Bancaro and Jabari Smith who play like guards, and you have a guy like Chet Holmgren in here, like it projects to be a pretty damn good class. I'm trying to see what pick the Knicks are projected to have. It's tough with the lottery. Let's just assume the most likely outcome, whether it's you know six, somewhere between six and eighth. I don't know, top ten, but not the first pick. Anyone that fits the Knicks in terms of these guys, you mentioned Murray. Any of these guys you see is like an ideal fit for the Knicks in like a realistic spot where they're going to pick. I mean, I think the, the initial thought for me would be like a Ty Ty Washington type. They're, they were looking for a point guard for forever, right? Forever. I mean, that's been one of the things that like has been ever since Frank Nilakina was, <laughs> was supposed yeah. to be the guy. Yeah. Point guard's been something that has been, you know, something they've been grasping at for a really long time. So I think, you know, Ty Ty Washington right now projects to be in like that six to 10 range. And I think the Knicks would probably fall on the back end of that, but he's going to be there. I think for them somewhere in that range. And it just makes positional sense. Like, you've been begging for a point guard for forever. And I think that would probably be the guy. It just makes sense off the top of the dome. All right, last one. We'll get you out of here. I can't figure out Holmgren. He's going to be a 10-time All-Star, whether it's in the NBA or whether it's overseas. He's going to be a 10-time yeah. All-Star. He's either going to be great or he's going to be a bust. I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tricky for a GM because that's a gutsy pick to make. I know he's skilled, but... There is obviously bust potential with his body type. Uh, how do you see Holmgren playing out in the NBA? I agree. Like, I, it's just for me, I, I think we don't understand how physical the NBA really is. E even in today's era, where you know, in this year, you know, the fouls are called. You know, they're they're allowing them to play a little bit more physical. 
but like you know he lacks so much upper and body strength or upper and lower body strength and like playing through contact all of these things I, I just wonder how much of a struggle that's going to be and like granted Kevin Durant is not the strongest guy in the world but I don't know if he exactly has the skill set and the scoring ability that a Kevin Durant does that he can overcome some of those slight weaknesses when it comes to physicality so I like I'm with you the ceiling's insanely high but you can also see the floor being really low if that's going to be the case, like the shot blocking ability is there, but it's only because of length as opposed to his actual stature. I like, I think he's safely outside of the first overall pick. He's going to be a top three selection. And I just, to me, it's just, I need to see more. Like you can see his bones, man. Like you need yeah. a little bit more in terms of the body. I think you really do. Yeah. And he can put on the weight. It's just, how does his skill set, right. uh, you know, sustain itself with the extra weight and the movement and all that. All right, JVT, you did a great job. I appreciate it. Check out JVT, the Hardwood Handicappers podcast, The Edge on VEASAN, which is 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific, VEASAN.com slash JVT to see all of his NBA stuff. Appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks. Yeah, no problem, dude. Thank you for having me. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll do the Friday games. Again, try to just keep the content fresh, try to get you prepped for all these games. A lot to go through, so wasn't sure if I was going to do every game, but you know what? Uh, it's the NCAA tournament. Everyone's filling out a bracket. So if we can just give you some thoughts, brief you on each game, even if it's just a minute or two, I think that's probably the best way to prep you for the tournament. Hey, preps me too, because JVT came on and gave us a lot of good info. So uh, just quickly before we get you out of here, I'll just give you my final four. I think I mentioned it with, with JVT. I'm going Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona, Iowa. Um, I'm going Kentucky over Arizona in the finals. couple upsets I have. I do have Davidson over Duke in the second round. I have St. Mary's in the Elite Eight beating Baylor uh, to get to the Elite Eight. So St. Mary's against Kentucky in the Elite Eight. That's kind of a sleeper. Um, Vermont, I picked to go to the Sweet 16. Ian McMill was on the other day. He talked me into that one. I have Virginia Tech. I'm sorry. I have uh, yeah Vermont and New Mexico State both pulling upsets. I have New Mexico State over UConn. And then uh, Vermont beating New Mexico State, which would set up a Gonzaga-Vermont Sweet 16 game, which would be... Uh, a lot of fun. So I have Vermont in the Sweet 16, Davidson Sweet 16, St. Mary's in the Elite Eight. Other than that, nothing crazy. I, di I didn't go too crazy, but I do have Kentucky winning it all. So uh, that is my final four. I'm excited to get it started. Tournament starts Thursday at noon. So uh, we'll be into it. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the Friday games. Thank you guys for listening. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.